Good afternoon. It is Thursday. It is 1230. We're a little bit late. I apologize. But it is your friendly neighborhood host of the Greenhouse Effect and it is 1230. So this is the Greenhouse Effect on a Thursday coming to you live from the People's Republic of Brooklyn. So welcome, everybody. It is the last Greenhouse Effect of the year of the year. 2021 and um it's been an interesting year and and so we are closing out the year and uh we've had a great time and i've had a really wonderful time uh being your host of the show we hope that you stick around for what's to come in 2021 2022 sorry and uh but we're we're uh we're, we're excited for everything that's coming. So once again, if you are listening on Facebook Live, I see a couple of y'all are chiming, uh, jumping in here. Like, feel free to drop something in the chat, leave a, leave a comment, say hello, and I am more than happy to respond. Or if you have a question, I'll be checking the chat as we go along. For those of you who are connecting with me on Spotify Live, on Spotify, feel free to answer some of the questions that that we have posted there uh at you know that's your way to connect with me here uh on spotify it has been an amazing year and uh and you know so like at, at this time of the year everybody starts pulling together resolutions and i think i might I, I don't have resolutions but i do like to reflect on the year that was uh and so i think maybe i'll do a little bit of that today but First and for, first and foremost, I want to you know, you know talk a little bit about where I just came from. And uh, for those of you who tuned in last week, and then suddenly the video disappeared, uh, we were in Ghana last year, last week, and uh, and I have to say it was one of those trips that was absolutely remarkable, and it, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful thing. Um, I'm not seeing any anything pop up in the chat, so. Uh, if you are chatting with me or if you're sending me information in the chat, please know that I can't see it. Oh, wait, here it is here. All right. Gotcha. Um, and so we are, again, this is the greenhouse effect and we'll, we'll be just trying to keep up with all of the stuff that that's been going on throughout the couple of a couple of days that we have been going anyway so what are we doing today I'm, I'm, I'm rambling oh my god this is for the the last show of the year and, and i'm over here rambling what are we doing today today we will be talking about uh my trip to ghana uh we will also be talking a little bit about the um the the coronavirus and how we get out of this pandemic what i think is the way that we're going to end up getting out of this pandemic and then uh the last thing that we're going to do today we're not doing a music review i'm waiting for some of the people that i've been working that i've been uh, talking to in ghana to send me a um a new artist from ghana that i can review so that y'all get to hear some new music uh so i'm gonna do that next week in the new year uh but we're gonna debut a new segment we're gonna do a uh, a segment called my top five and what we'll do every year every week every year uh what we'll do every week is we will look at uh top five something so this week is going to be top five cities of the united states that i can live in outside of new york uh so once you start traveling you 
start realizing, it's like, well, what's my exit plan for, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, leaving New York, if anything, and where would I go? And so that's my top, that, that's going to be my top five. Top five cities in the United States that I could live in outside of New York. Uh, so that's what, we'll be, that's what we'll be talking about. But before we get into that, we have to talk about Puppy. Uh, for those of you who are the uninitiated, Puppy is my cat. Yes, I have a cat named Puppy. And so, um, actually, I can see the chats now. So, uh, Danielle, hey, hey, you're here with us. Uh, and Adebayo, Adebayo and, and, and Adewumbi uh, brothers are some of the most classic West African advocates, uh, you know, if you have not met the Adewumi brothers, then you are sorely missing out. Anyway, so um, my top five is going to, so we're going to talk a little bit about Puppy. And so um, when we went to Ghana, we had to find a place for Puppy to go. And um, and so we are, so we had to find somebody to, to, to cat sit for us. And uh, my... My good, my bestie, uh, Victoria Fleary and the Fleary's uh, decided that they would take on the task of uh, watching Puppy for us. And uh, and Puppy is a really interesting cat. As you have probably heard over the course of the year, Puppy does, you know, interesting things. Like Puppy won't come to you. you sorry, you can't go to Puppy. She has to come to you. She's trying to shade you if certain people are around. So uh, there's a lot of stuff to go that goes into uh, puppy and taking care of her. And so when uh, Victoria, you know, volunteered to take care of the cat, it was um, a, a huge weight off of my shoulders. And uh, and Earl and and my goddaughter were interested in trying to find a cat or trying to figure out whether or not they were going to get a cat. So this was a perfect test drive for them. And so it it went well. Um, I'm in Ghana and getting pictures. From the Fleary's talking about, here's puppy on the bed, here's puppy on the, on the couch, here's puppy looking out the window. And I'm like, wait a minute, we, get, we don't get that kind of love for puppy. Like, you do not see, like, puppy comes out when, you, when she feels like it, she hangs out where she feels like it, and, um, and she will interrupt your meeting when she feels like it. But, so I was very worried. Like I told Victoria, she was going to get two... Uh, you know, there was going to be two versions of how this was going to go down. It was either she was going to be very quiet and you would never see her and the food would just disappear uh, and you would have to clean up the poop every now and again. Or you were going to get a cat that felt like she was just in her second home and hanging out. And she got the she got the ladder. And I was like, wait a minute. It took weeks and when i tell you weeks it took weeks for puppy to get warm up to us warmed up for us for us to like be around her but she took to the fleeries immediately uh they they clearly are better cat family than we are um but puppy still loves us she's back home now um and i think she's happy to be home uh, but again we have an immeasurable debt to the fleeries for cat sitting for us uh, but we now know that Puppy loves them, and so every time we go away, that's probably where she will be. Although Victoria did tell me that uh, having a cat um, is very... So where we live, Puppy lives in the basement. So at night, she's downstairs. She does what she needs to do. She's not upstairs. 
uh, with the rest of the family where the bedrooms are. Uh, and, but according to Victoria, who, uh, you know, Puppy was in the same area that the bedrooms are, at 4 a.m., Puppy decides that she needs to have a turn up. So it was quite interesting every 4 o'clock in the morning uh, because she was running around. So, no, Caitlin, Puppy does not have a new home. Puppy is back safely with us. <laughs> it took a while to get her back, though, because she was not looking to get back in that bag. Truth be told, every time she gets in the in the puppy in the uh, in, in the cat carrier, she ends up in a place where she has no idea what's going to happen to her. So, I wouldn't get in that cat carrier if I were her either. Anyway, uh, Mike says the Ghana pictures were amazing. Mike, we're going to get to those Ghana pictures in a second. Um, <laughs> Mike says. That's why puppy doesn't like you. You keep them in the basement. Uh, so here's the thing. Our basement is pretty large. Puppy has the full ex the full run of the basement. She has so many different places that she she and she has her own section. She can hang out on the couches. She has a TV. That, like she has the, the the basement is a full out of apartment. If 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 puppy were a human, she could live down here very very comfortably. Um, and we leave the door, we have started leaving the door to the basement open so she can come upstairs as well. So we are not constricting the cat to the basement. We are not abusing our cat. Um, uh, so, oh, right. So Caitlin says the next time that she's in the cat carriage, she'll come home with no teeth. Yeah, yeah. For those of you who missed that episode, apparently my cat has cat gingivitis. Uh, nothing that we did, nothing that we didn't feed her or give her the right things or anything like that. So um, apparently the dentist is saying that it is rare for this form of gingivitis in this uh, young of a cat. And um, she is recommending that puppy's teeth all be taken out. Not one, not two, all. All the teeth be taken out. So, so the next time she goes in that carrier, she'll be going to a dentist and coming back with no teeth. So that'll be the probably the last time that she's ever going to go into that carrier willingly. So that is quite correct, Caitlin. So, uh, Danny, yes, what what up, Danny? Uh, Danny saying that I order my New York City Sigma T-shirt yet? Yes, I have not ordered it yet. I am going to order it. I just got back yesterday. Give me a second, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, okay, going to take a short break and come back and we'll talk a little bit about the coronavirus. All right. And we are back. Uh, for those of you who are listening on the Spotify, this is The Greenhouse Effect and I am your host, Hayden Green. And we talk about all the things that are happening in the world over the last week. And uh, and we look at it from a multicultural point of view. And that multicultural point of view is mine. All right. So while we were in Ghana, we heard about the fact that uh, Omarion, Omni Bakaran, variant, because nobody can pronounce Omicron, uh, variant of the uh, coronavirus has been pretty rampant. I kept seeing memes like, look, if you are in New York City, don't even bother getting tested, you're positive, right? Uh, I heard news reports that the, um, uh, the, the, the infection rate of all the people tested is roughly at 50% right now. So like half of the people who are getting tested are coming back positive. So it is, it, it's one of those situations where like it, this is, 
the most virulent version of the coronavirus uh, that we have seen so far because it is um, highly contagious. But here is the thing. Uh, the hospitalization rates have not skyrocketed. So if we were talking about the original coronavirus and we were talking about 50% of the people that got tested were um you know, 50% of the, uh, the the population got that got tested came back with the original coronavirus. We were talking about a city that would have been completely shut down, not just the way that it was shut down in um, in 2020. So what is starting to happen is the uh, variations are becoming more infectious, but less uh, impactful to the human system. And so there are a lot of couple there are a couple of things that we take away from that so danny says we just came out of quarantine he was positive andre was positive uh, and they say one in five people have it uh the worst feeling i ever have over the holiday season was no rum cake <laughs> uh yeah and so kim is right the, the the hospitalization has not skyrocketed among the vaccinated so a couple of things we can take away from that and, and kim points to the first thing the people who are vaccinated are not going to the hospital which is the main issue that we had when we when um, the city got set shut down. It was not just that people were being infected, it's that people had to be admitted into the hospitals. And it was putting a strain on the healthcare situation. And so this is another one of those things was like, well, shoot, you know, I got vaccinated, I still got it. Yes, but you're vaccinated, so you're not ending up in the hospital. And that is the goal. The goal is to not have our hospitals overwhelmed. And so that's what you're starting to see happen now with the subsequent variations of the the, the virus. Um, and so, again, this is a, a plea if you have not gotten vaccinated to go ahead and vaccinate. Uh, even if you end up getting it, the symptoms are going to be mild, especially if you're getting one of the later variations of the disease. Um, you know, Andre and Danny are both on the stream right now. They can talk about how, uh, what their experience with it was. They just, you know, uh, share that they were, they, they were infected as well. And so what we are trying to get to is a place where if people do get it, that it is not a, a, a complete burden, that it is not a danger to their health so that they don't end up in the hospitals. The other piece that we are starting to, or we're hoping that we get to, is not necessarily the vaccinations, although that's going to help as well. You know, think of a flu. The more people who are vaccinated for the flu, uh, the less uh, likely that it's going to be a, um, a strain on our healthcare system because more people are vaccinated and if they get it, it's mild symptoms, they don't have to go to the hospital, things like that. The flu, as a lot of people have pointed out, is probably more uh, rampant or was probably more rampant than the COVID-19. It's just that COVID-19 did not, um, I'm sorry, the flu wasn't putting as many people into um into the hospital. And Danny says that he lost his taste, his smell and his taste and had a minor cough, right? And so, you know, so that's where we're trying to get to where people are not ending up in the hospital. But the other piece of it is, is that there has not been an effective treatment for, um, for the actual coronavirus itself, right? So if people get it, and again, I'll refer back to the flu, if people get it, uh, if people get the flu, there are things like Theraflu, there are treatments that you can do at home uh, that will relieve your symptoms in a pretty quick 
uh, fashion. And so therein lies the difference, right? So if I get the flu and even if I have serious um even if I have serious uh, symptoms, I can take Theraflu at home. I can have somebody go to the, to the, um, the drugstore and get a whole slew of medicines that will help to alleviate my symptoms. And I don't have to go to the hospital. And that's the key. And so that's what's coming up next for the, uh, you know, the, uh, the lifespan of this disease is that we will start to see different medications to... Um, alleviate the symptoms to treat the actual once you get it right so whether you're vaccinated or not you'll be able to fight the virus without having uh without having and without being uh, admitted into a hospital and this is the key and so they've already um approved one the city or was it the food and drug has already um uh what do you call it uh approved one medicine that will treat for treating the actual coronavirus. So whether you're vaccinated or not, now there is coming down the pipeline medicines that you can take that will reduce your uh, will reduce your symptoms and therefore not have you either be admitted into the hospital or if you are admitted into the hospital, that it will be a short stay and that you don't end up on a ventilator, which was another issue that we had is that a lot of people ended up on ventilators. That also put a strain on a number of different places, a number of different cities who didn't have ventilators. Um, and then when the ventilators were not needed, you know, having to ship them from different parts of the country and really uh, trying to figure out what the logistics behind uh, surges were, right? So if there was a surge in one part of the country, did we send the ventilators that the other part of the country was no longer using to that place? And how do we not like have 5 million ventilators that we're not going to need after the surges are over? And so that was one of the biggest problems that we had. And so this medicine will get to the point where we are not going to have to get to that point with people, right? There will be a uh, a medication that people can take, whether they are vaccinated or not. Um, and so uh, it, it'll stop that kind of hospital admittance. Now, clearly, again, I will say, if you are vaccinated, that's where the symptoms will be mild, right? If you are vaccinated, that's where people will automatically not end up in places like the hospital. So we have to be very, very clear on what it is that we are trying, we're trying to get to. We're trying to get to a community, a nation that has a resistance to it. Um, and that when it does hit, that they're not clogging up the healthcare system. And that's where we need to go. And so that's, that's what I have hoping. I'm hoping that 2022 will be the year that we start to get these medications starting to roll out again. Pfizer's already been um, approved for it, and we just want to see who the next set of people who are going to be approved for it. And the more we get these medicines out there, the more we'll be able to go out and live life. Um, because, you know, if you get it, you know that you won't end up on a ventilator, you know that you won't end up in the hospital, that you'll have very small symptoms. Uh, the CDC just came out and had uh, changed their their uh, recommendations for what the quarantine is going to be. And everybody just went went crazy. It was like it went from five, 10 days to five days. And everybody just went bananas. It was like, well, the CDC said, do you. 
<laughs> and the memes now are hilarious, right? The CDC said that ginger ale and saltine crackers will take care of the coronavirus, right? And 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 again, it's it's hilarious because everybody is like taking pot shots at the CDC and the FDC and all the rest of them because they are uh, putting out what these regulations are dependent on the information that they get. And the information is ever-changing. Uh, it's like your cell phone, right? So one minute you use your cell phone one way and the next five you know in the next five months they'll have new updates and and all these different things that have a different way for you to use your cell phone and different things that cell phones can do i remember where it used to be like oh only plug in your cell phone when it is at zero and then you started uh you know you had other recommendations of you can recharge it because the battery uh were coming out that were different so the cdc is making different recommendations dependent on the information that they have and everybody's just taking shots at them so like Y'all need to be easy, and um, but hopefully 2022 is going to be the year that we finally turn this corner. Um, I am very anxious to get back to some certain sense of normalcy. Uh, I, I have to say that I am not, um, I, I am happy that people have uh, upped their hygiene and, uh, and that we won't, <laughs> hopefully we won't return to what we found out that people were not doing on a regular basis. So, uh, I don't know. I, I just, I, I hope that we get to some level of normalcy. Andre says the lobbyist bought a big bag with a note and a cash to change. The rules. <laughs> so Andre is one of our conspiracy theorists, apparently saying that the lobbyist told, you know, said, hey, listen, CDC, you need to change these regulations and brought him a big bag of cash. Uh, <laughs> I, listen, I'm not going to say you're wrong. I'm not. I'm also not going to say you're right. But, you know, that this, that's the country we live in anyway. All right. So we're going to take a quick break once again. And when we come back, we will talk about uh, the Greens trip to Ghana. All right. And we are back. For those of you who are listening on Spotify, thank you so much for staying with us. Uh, this is The Greenhouse Effect, where we talk about all things all around the world that are happening in the last month. And uh, we are, and, and we're looking at it from a multicultural point of view, and that multicultural point of view is mine. No, Keith. Keith is, is chiming in. Hi, Keith. Keith said, I just got here. And we're still here with you. We just took a quick break. All right. So... Um, so every, uh, so Keith says, loves the green trip picks, Ghana, baby. Yes. So every year the greens, uh, disappear for Christmas. And, um, so we generally go to my home, uh, which is Trinidad and Tobago, uh, for uh, some, some period of time during the Christmas season. Uh, last year we could not leave the country for obvious reasons. And this year we decided that if we were going to go and we were going to leave the country, that we were going to do it big. Um, Ghana had always been on the list, uh, as you may or may not have heard in 2019, Ghana issued it to be the year of the return. And it, it marked the 400, the 400th anniversary of uh, people been taken, being taken from the coast of West Africa to uh, the United States. And, uh, and 1619 was the first time that enslaved Africans showed up in the United, Sla the United States. Uh, and I will talk about the 1619 project in a few seconds. Uh, um, so back then we were, uh, you know, my wife was 
very uh, interested in making sure that the next time that she had returned to the continent of Africa, that she returned with her family. Um, and uh, she had already gone to Senegal during her uh, college years uh, on a school trip. And so she wanted to go back, but she definitely wanted to bring the family. And so that was always on the radar. And so what we have, what we did was we decided that we would go as soon as we, as soon as it opened up, because who knew when we were going to be able to travel again. And so that's how we ended up in Ghana for Christmas. And I have to say it was one of the most uh, it was an amazing trip, and uh, there were so many touch points of why this was the one of the most important trips that our family has taken. Uh, first of all, we were blessed that we were able to go with our mothers and our children. So three generations of greens and vinegars were um, out and about in Ghana, and uh, and my wife you know, is the one who like really put all of this together with the help of Africa, uh, um, uh, our African travel buddies. And, and it was such an amazing trip and uh, filled with um, places where we could learn, places where we could have a lot of fun. We saw the full dynamic of the African society, of that particular African society. We saw abject poverty, but we also saw um, exorbitant riches. At, like, for instance, we stayed in what has to be the best hotel that I have ever stayed in in my entire life. Uh, and it was in Accra, right? So it was, it was a beautiful trip. And so, um, one of the things that we wanted, to, one of the reasons that we wanted the, the kids to be involved in this, um, <laughs> and, and now Leon is over here trying to get a New York City t-shirt, New York City Sigma t-shirt in the middle of my podcast. Leon, come on, man, focus. <laughs> All right. Um, so one of the reasons that it was a really important that we take our, our kids um, is because you know, as much as we try to teach our children about our African history and our African-American history, we are not going to be able to make an impact on, on their, their appreciation of it until they have a real firsthand understanding of where they came from. Like, you can't have this conversation and say, all right, well, you know, we were we came from a, a rich people. We came from a people who were diverse, smart, and, and, and you know, kings and queens and all the rest of that stuff. And it's, it becomes very abstract when you talk about it like that. And so it was real important for our kids to take a trip to um, the motherland. Uh, and they've gone to uh, the Caribbean multiple times. As, as I mentioned, we vacationed you know, in my homeland every single Christmas. And so, you know, being able to go to Ghana was the next step on that, right? And I think that was achieved in this particular trip. Um, we visited uh, slave castles and uh, depending on uh, depending on who you talk to, slave dungeons. Uh, the the Africans who are there do not call them castles, uh, or the guides that we talk to do not call them castles because there were no kings that lived there. They only had um, they 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 were dungeons. They were dungeons for slaves, and so one of the you know seminal 
moments, um, one of the seminal moments during this whole trip was really hearing about the atrocities that were carried out on this, um, at these slave dungeons. And one of the, one of the things that, uh, my eight-year-old looked at the guide and said, how could these people be so, so inhumane? How could they be so cruel as the words that she said? And, um, as she said, she said it in, in a way of like, I have friends get it. And, and again, I'm paraphrasing from what I'm assuming that she thought was, was thinking. I have friends who are from European background and I'm from an African background and I could never imagine those people doing these things to me. We're talking about people who were, um, uh, enslaved in places that were, uh, no bigger, no bigger than uh, your average living room and having a thousand people shoved in there, right? And so they are, to really hear about that stuff, um, and for instance, we were in one of the dungeons and um, we were, the, the, the guy told us to look down on the floor and realize that what we were standing on were, was not the actual floor of the dungeon, that there was about a, a residue about this thick, about an inch thick of, um, of, of people, of bodies and, and feces and vomit and blood and bone and, and, and people. And it had piled up so much that it had created its own subfloor or floor on top of the floor. So we weren't standing on a floor. We were standing on the bones and the bodies of people who had perished in that very space. It happened so much that it was a thickness of about of about an inch and and so when we start to and, and so when she had that question it's like how could that happen I, you know how do people and 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 here's another crazy fact that the dungeons that i'm describing that had all of these things happening in in those dungeons right above that guess what they built right above that a church Right. So right above the dungeons where men and women were perishing, they built a church talking about the salvation of their soul and and, you know, offering up to offering up to God and 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 and, and purporting to be good people while they were enslaving Africans right below them. The the it, the dissidence was was mind numbing, right? And and one of the things that I had to, t what I had to tell my little one, and so what other people, and, and what the guide also said, was that at, at that point in time, they did not view us as human beings. They viewed us as less than animals, less than insects. And so when you don't think of somebody as a human, you don't think of the way, uh, you don't think that you're mistreating them. You're not being, um, you, you're not thinking of them being uh, mistreated. You're just thinking as if um, it's a broken table or a chair that is damaged or something that you can throw across, right? And so, you know, and I and I see stuff going on in 
in the in the chat about the religion and stuff like that and and we can go into the benefits and the fallacies of organized religion all throughout the world whether we're talking about catholics muslims um hindus sikhs whatever right and so that's that's not what this diatribe is about but it is when at the end of the day we are using religion to try to bring us closer to god the first thing that should come about is kindness and it is mind-numbing to to know that while you are sitting wearing white on a on a sunday praying to a god and, and asking for salvation that you have full knowledge that right below you not 10 feet below you there are people suffering right and um you know and and and, and it's just crazy one of the other things about the the slave dungeons that um was really impactful for me and kind of and 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 kind of just like really hammered home just how cruel people these people were is that there was a a cell that's kind of like where you went if you were being um bad if you were being um uh, aggressive or you didn't want to do what the the and 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 that's the other piece right a lot of people feel like uh these enslaved africans were just like oh okay I got caught. Put me on the ship. I'll go wherever you need me to go. They were fighting. They were they were they were trying to, you know, be free. They weren't like, you know, ambivalent about this at all. And and so one of the things that uh, happened is that when people uh, rebelled against what was happening to them, they were taken to another cell, and it was a cell that was totally black. Um, and in that African heat, it would, there was no ventilation, no light. Um, and there were no wall, there were no, um, they were not given food or anything like this. And so it was meant to, when you walked in there, you know, you were going to die. Um, and standing in that cell and, um, and just looking at on the floor, um, um, the scratch marks, uh, the scratch marks where the enslaved Africans just were scraping out the floor to either just mark their way or just trying to escape. Um, it, it, it broke me. And even just talking about it right now is just, I, here's here's why this is so um, traumatic for me. Because if you have somebody who you are viewing as somebody who is not cooperative, and you know you've enslaved this person, even if you don't think that they are human and stuff like that, um, you can ease you you can shoot that person. You can stab them with a saber. You can you can kill them immediately. There were plenty of ways that they could have ended that person's life. But what they chose to do was put them in this box. Right? Put them in this box and let them deteriorate and die in their own filth and heat and suffer until they died. That's what we were dealing with. That's what you're talking about. And why? So that they can make an impression 
on the other slaves because it's not just enough for that person to lose their life. It had, they had to suffer. And that is, that's, that's, if nothing else is an indication of the, tr the trials and tribulations that these Africans went through. And, um, I, I, I would talk about, I'll talk about this for, for hours and hours and hours and probably will talk about this in hours and hours and hours because as many people know, this is my, um, my job and what I do, um, for a living, but that's, that's a whole nother level. That's a whole nother level. And, and so here's, and so a lot of this stuff was so traumatizing for me. Um, and it was even worse because I decided like an idiot to start reading the 1619 project book that we had just received. So here I am in slave dungeons and reading the 1619 project at the same time. Can I tell you, I was just messed up. I was just, I was not good. I was not good. Um, and thank God that I was still in Ghana, in Africa, among um, people, among my people, that I could find my way back, find my way back to center, because that was one of the most, like, I, I'm still still analyzing the feelings and analyzing what, what I went through. Um, and so, uh, but I'm glad that I went and I'm glad that my children went and I'm glad that they understand. Uh, and so we, and, and so, uh, you know, a lot of things are hap happening for them right now. Like for instance, uh, they're a big fan of uh, Six, the musical, which is about the wives of Henry VIII. And, 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 and it's a, it's a, cool little um show we went to see it my wife and i and the kids love the soundtrack and they want to go see it and so i said to my wife i said to my um uh, my daughter i was like hey listen do you understand how all of this stuff um you know connects together and they were like what do you mean i was like well you listen to six all the time right and when did this person reign like when did henry the eighth and all these people that you were singing about and listening to when were they in power they were like oh in the 1500s it's like when did the dates that we just learned about in the slave dungeons it's like oh right in the 1500s like who was was this person in which country was that person in charge of it was like oh he was the king of england what slave dungeon did we just uh, uh, you know go to and see all of this like right it was run by the english right it was run by the dutch it was run so like it, it, it again. This is the and and this is the the best part of being able to see this is that it's abstract until you start putting the pieces together. It's like while you were talking about this, or like they're happy to talk about Hamilton and slave rebellions and all the rest of that stuff. But like now, really putting that connection, those connections together, and seeing where the things that they're talking about in popular culture are connected with all of this is really um the best and and if for nothing else that realization for them is worth every penny that we spent to get them over there and have them experience that and at the same time we had them experience the joy of being in africa as well going to the beach and experience the riches i already talked about the fact that we the whole one of the hotels that we spent in uh, that we stayed in was the best hotel that I've ever, sp uh, you know, spent any time in. And so being able for them to have that narrative, one of my youngest kid, my youngest, no, one of my kids, the uh, I think it was the elder one, 
when when they told their friends they were going to Africa, they were like, oh, why would you go? Like, be careful. And they had all of these different, uh, you know, co concept of what it meant to go to the continent of Africa. And for them, for my kids to now go experience it and say, uh, no, I had a great time. Uh, there are, you know, poor people and rich people. There's culture, there's sadness, there's, um, there's joy, there's all of these things in the continent, in that one country. And we only went to one, right? So for them to now be able to come back and say, uh, this is what Africa is really like. This is what Ghana is really like. Um, and they came back. We had a naming ceremony and we were able to uh, have these names and be accepted into a, a local family. We had all of these different things that are now part of their narrative when people talk about the continent. And that's that's beautiful. That's the part that is important to me that we got that done, that we were able to have that experience. Uh, and some of you, and if, if you're on Facebook Live right now, you'll be able to see it. Um, you'll start to see some of these pictures that I've taken. And, uh, and, and it, the pictures that we took, I think, show an Africa that is full of vibrance and love and, 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 and really an experience that we are proud to show to people and not what the narrative that the, the common media would have you see, right? Um, uh, no, Kim, we did not go to Jamestown. Uh, uh, we, we went to... Cape Coast, we were in Accra, we went to, we spent a little time in Africa's, Africa's Afro Safari. Uh, so we went to a couple of different places, but we did not make it to Jamestown. Um, so I see some stuff in the chat here. Hector said, this is why we need to teach our youth about reality of our ancestors and the suffering they went through. They want to just get over the trauma that happened. And that's exactly right. And, and in, in addition to that, that's really one of the things that is happening with at the generations, the further away that you get from uh, the experience, the, the less of the impact it seems to have. And so when, again, you think about all of the things that happen and the 1619 project is really interested in doing this is when the first enslaved people showed up in 1619 that was 400 years till 2019 but we had only really achieved equal rights the equal rights bill was was in the 60s right so we're only talking about 50 or 60 years since the equal rights so we're talking of 14 of 400 years, only 50 or 60 of those years were we really truly free in this country, right? And so it's not, and, and people say this all the time, it's like people think that slavery was this thing that happened 400 years ago. It started 400 years and lasted for over 300, right? And so when you start to look at the fact that people have grandparents that used to be slaves, uh, you realize that it is not something um you know, it is not something that you, it, it, that was like, oh, okay, um, this is something in the distant past. This is something that still has bloodlines to right now. But again, like somebody said, it's like, you know, they think that it's some sort of abstract stuff. Um, uh, I will, it, you know, if, if anybody, as I am starting to, like, again, like we just, we got back yesterday. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that I have to unpack, like literally 
out of suitcases and off of cameras I have to unpack, but like a lot of stuff that I have to mentally unpack and be sure I will put the names of uh, the group that we use that helped us, you know, uh, take these tours and, and make sure that y'all are connected with them. But uh, it's definitely a trip that I'll be continuing to talk about and, uh, and, and I will leave a lot of information, but keep on looking. There's a bunch of beautiful pictures that are coming. Uh, at least I believe so a bunch of beautiful pictures that are coming. So hopefully y'all follow me on Instagram That's G L P P I C S. And I'll be posting some here at, um, at the, uh, uh on Facebook as well. Uh, so that's, uh, that's my Ghana trip. And, uh, we are, we are coming close to time, but I wanted to get to our new segment um, as soon as possible. Uh, yes, Hector said they they controlled us by fear, and it's still happening now. Yep, absolutely. And let's see if there's anything else. Uh, look what's happening in Africa. China is saying they're poor and unwanted people. Africa ruin our culture. There's a lot of stuff going on with China as well. We'll talk about that in another podcast about the recolonization of of Africa from by the Chinese. It, like there is a building in in Accra, a high rise building in Accra that only Chinese people can live in. Today, that, not like today. Right now, there's a building in Accra that only Chinese people are allowed to live in. Um, all right, so. We're going to take a short break, come right back, and we will talk about what my top five cities in the United States are um, with uh, if I had to move out of New York. And we are back. So we're almost close to time. This is the greenhouse effect, but I wanted to get this new segment in. Every week I'm going to do a top five. Uh, and so uh, I'm going to look at my phone right now. So the top fives that I have uh, coming up, uh, we're going to do today top five cities I could live in. Uh, top five action movies, top five books I remember the plots from, top five football players I've seen play, top five candy bar, top five New York City restaurants, top five, five places I want to visit, top actresses, top rappers, top musical acts, top five horror, horror stories. So every week we're going to do a top five and y'all can go at it. I will list what the top five is at the beginning of the show and y'all can figure out, y'all can drop your top fives in as we are moving through. Uh, but today's top five is top five cities that I can live in if I had to move out of New York City. First and foremost, uh, I will start from number five. Number five is um, Los Angeles. Oh, wait. Oh, I had to, one other thing I had to mention about Ghana. So everybody knows that I'm from Trinidad. The similarities between, and, and I think um, Kim mentioned this, the similarities between Caribbean islands and the west coast of Africa is undeniable and uncanny. Literally, all, all the trip through, all of my family kept on saying, I felt like this is Little Tobago or Tobago East, right? It was, the, the sinews are so strong between the culture. Uh, you literally have so many things where there are one-to-one -one comparisons, not even any dilution. So that was the part that made me feel like I was home, right? It made me feel like I was back in Trinidad when I talk about when we went to Ghana. So I forgot to mention that, and that's one of the biggest things that was important to me. So LA, 
LA is a one the number five. Number five is LA. I could not actually live in LA, but like by the time I got to four, I was like, God, I gotta pick a, a pick a, a a fifth city, and LA was it. Uh, Chicago, number four. I love Chicago. Chicago is only number four because it's cold as hell in the winter. That wake up lake effect snow kind of knocked it out of the top three immediately. But Chicago is like New York in so much that it has a lot of cultural places that you can go to, like theaters and movies and, and things happening in the city. Uh, and it has the it, there are a lot of different neighborhoods in Chicago. Chicago is not just one thing. Uh, and I really, really uh, appreciated that about, about it when I went there. So I really enjoyed Chicago. Number three, Miami. Miami is New York City in a, in a tropical climate. That's all Miami is. So Miami is my number three because if I had to leave New York City, I would want to go to a place that was nice and warm. And, um, and so that's one of the places that I think that is kind of comparable. It is a different kind of vibe. There's a lot more um, Latino flavor to it than New York City has. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot more color, but again, that's the more, because it's a more Southern state and it's right, pretty much it's a Caribbean place, right? So you get a lot of people, the, the Cuban influence, the Puerto Rican influence, influence, uh, but you also have a lot of the African-American influence, influence in, uh, influence in Miami as well. So Miami is number three. Number two. Is Philadelphia. Yeah, I know that probably shocks a lot of y'all. Uh, Philadelphia is my number two. Why? Uh, <laughs> he says Newark is going to be number one. Not a chance. Uh, Philadelphia is my number two. Why? Philadelphia is close to New York. So, But in it being close to New York, it has its own flavor as well. Again, the art scene, uh, museums, murals, uh, being able to go to theater and stuff like that. Plus, if I ever really wanted to come back to New York, if I ever wanted to visit and go to a Broadway play or something like that, I would go. I, it's an easy jump right to New York City. So um, Philadelphia chimes in at number two. The only reason that it's two and, uh, and Chicago is not two is because of the winters. Philadelphia's winters are a little bit milder than New York because, again, it's a little bit south of New York. So Philadelphia comes in at number two. Plus, the food in Philadelphia is pretty good. There are a lot of different um, different ways uh, that you can feed yourself in Philadelphia. You can eat like a rich man. You can eat like a pauper, and it's all good. All right. So let's see if anybody can guess. I'm gonna recap all of the different all of the four, and let's see if anybody can guess what my number one city is. And those of you who know me should be able to guess this. All right. So my number five is. L.A. It is a little bit too slow for me, but I needed a five. So L.A. is my number five. Number four is Chicago. Chicago, I feel, is just like New York City, except it's got cold winters. And that's why everybody that's why it ends up at number four. Uh, number three is Miami. Miami's just like New York City. It's a bustling metropolitan city with a lot of art and a lot of culture uh, in the South. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's just in the South. Uh, and number two is Philadelphia, which is 
right outside of New York City, has some of the same culture and some of the same history um, that that I love in the city uh, and, and is really close to New York City. So if I ever wanted to come back, it's a hop, skip and a jump, but I want to have drive up the turnpike through Newark, Keith, not stopping all the way up to New York City. And my number one, there no guesses. Oh, y'all disappoint me. I thought there would at least be a couple of guesses. Warm daddies. Let's see. Kim says DC or Boston. DC didn't even make the list. Uh, and Boston is a place that I absolutely hate. Um, but it's a good city. Those of you from Boston. Uh, but I hate Boston because I'm a Yankees fan and I'm a Jets fan. So I am not allowed to like Boston. Anyway, so Boston is not in. DC is not it. And Tampa. No, if I was going to if I'm going to pick a, uh, a you know, a state, each state will probably only get one choice. I'm not going to No, I don't I don't think that there's any state that I that has two cities that I could consider. Uh, anyway, so my number one city that I would move to in a heartbeat if I had to need, leave New York City. Nope, not Atlanta, New Orleans. I love New Orleans. I love New Orleans. It is hands down my favorite New, uh, United States city. Uh, I remember when we first decided that we were going to go to New Orleans. Um, uh, my wife was like, my wife and I are sitting around and I'm planning out the trip. And I was like, all right, on Monday, we're going to eat at, uh, we're going to eat at this place. On Tuesday, we're going to eat at this place. On, th on Wednesday, we're going to eat at this place. I was like, and she's like, wait a minute, are we actually going to go visit anything? I was like, wait, what? No, we're going to, New Orleans is about eating. I would be 500 pounds in New Orleans, um, and I would be a happy 500 pounds. New Orleans is, so for those of you who don't know me, um, I love cities that have histories. I love cities that are built on the on the bones of, um, you know, history that came before, not like prefab cities that, that pop up out of, out of nowhere. And so New Orleans is definitely one of those places that has a deep sense of history, and uh, I absolutely love it. And it has a lot of uh, great food, great culture, uh, and and you, I, I, it's one of those places that I cannot see myself ever getting bored. The climate is right, um, and so I really, really, really love New Orleans. Uh, there was a point in time that I would go uh, go to New Orleans at least three or four times a year. Uh, and my, to, got to a point where my mom just was like, are you moving? I was like, no, not yet, but it, it's a possibility. Anyway, so that's my top five this year, this week. Um, top five is uh, L.A., Chicago, Miami, Philadelphia, and my top city that I can move to if I left New York City would be New Orleans. Stay tuned for what our, my top five is going to be next week, and we will be reviewing a Ghanaian um, artist um, uh, with new music next week as well. So this has been The Greenhouse Effect, everybody. Thank you so much for sticking around, and thank you for chiming in a little bit late with us. Uh, and I have been your host, Hayden Green. I look forward to seeing you next week in the new year, and we'll talk a little bit about... Um, We'll talk a little bit about uh, what we're looking forward to in the new year or what we were thankful for in the year that just passed. Uh, all right, y'all. Y'all be good. Go out and be warm to another human. Love you all.